You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Hey everyone, it's me, D.B. Spitzer, and this guy over here, that's Farmer Dave. Dave, how's it going? I am well. Well. And I hope you are too. I, I, I... See how I mixed it up a little bit there? Yeah, yeah, no, doing pretty good there. Uh, I'm doing pretty well as well. Just wanted to let everyone know, uh, the mayor is doing well, and we're gonna have... The mayor wants us, everyone, to know... We're gonna talk with the mayor Cause the mayor says he wants to have a chat We're gonna talk with the mayor Cause the mayor says he knows where it's at With everyone cleaning up their yards and getting yard debris all taken care of and everything all cleaned up and whatnot, uh, remember... Yard debris goes into your green bin. Recycling it goes into your blue bin. And and just a reminder, if you have neighbors who are colorblind, please help them out. Yeah, definitely. Be a good neighbor. Definitely. Uh, and and remember, we're, we're we're using X's on top of the uh, reef, uh, the uh, yard waste bins, just in case there is a little bit of colorblindness. But hey. Uh, what else do we got going on? Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, just remember, no burn in Clackamas County. The heat wave is causing problems, so it's yeah. a no burn time. Yeah, it's getting all the way up into the 70s. Everyone's, like, wearing shorts and walking around. Social distancing, of course. Even though a good percentage of uh, Oleander has been vaccinated, everyone is still recommended to wear masks just because, you know... Not everyone is, and I. Hey, you know what? Hey, fever. And, and you know that the, Oleander is the only city in the entire nation where they're doing three shots. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the third shot is. I'm not the sure third shot is. And if you get Johnson and Johnson, they give you two shots, and so it's 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 like no matter what, you have to have three shots. Yeah, every everyone else is you know they're not getting Johnson and Johnson if they're not getting at least two shots they're just getting Johnson. Yeah, I, I oh man, third shot. <sighs> I go in for that next week and oh just recovering from shot two of uh, the uh, I I think I got the Myers Briggs or the uh, I'm I'm not sure which one I got. I I think I got the the Bader Meinhof. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you, you know the rest of the country is going in for a third shot, but you know what they're getting. What are they getting? Tequila. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're going, they're going into bars. Uh, yeah, no. So uh, let's see. Also, uh, Oleander High School is doing a production of Our Town, social distance, of course, and they are performing it out on the football field. So I believe and football slash rugby field. Yes. And uh, so, you know, sit in the bleachers, socially distance, and listen to a bunch of teenagers yell through megaphones at each other on ladders about... I heard they were originally going to do it on the in the, the swimming pool, but I, I think this is better. Yeah. Sit, sits more. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They were going to have the uh, school's water polo team perform it, and they're like, we're not actors, and they couldn't really social distance. So, yeah, they... they uh, Asked the football team, and the football team said, why don't you just get the drama team to do it? And they're like, wait a minute, what a great idea. So, drama team's doing it on the football field. 
Yeah, but we we kind of mixed up. We have a drama team and a football club, but yeah, they'll straighten it out. <laughs> I don't know. Do we have a drama team? I I, I don't know this football. St- I mean, I don't know this high school stuff very well. So, all right. Uh, and uh, any other new news in the world of Oleander, Oregon? Oh, just that you know, pretty much kidding season is over, and so mm-hmm. it's just kind of this huge, you know, sort of. You know, everything sort of stops after kidding season. Yeah. Well, not really. You got to feed the kids. You got to milk the mom and stuff. But you, you know what I mean? It's all this tension being up. And now it's just sort of, it's like kind of like with the, you know, the epidemic. It's just, yeah, now it's gone. Yeah. Picnic season is definitely going on. And uh, Mayor Pickman has definitely been going for kind of like Pickman's picnic. Blah. Let me try that one again. Mayor's been going for Pickman's picnics. So you can go to A1 Grocery. If you are hearing this, if you're an out-of-towner and you just want to tune into the local radio station, we're going to be playing this all week long, uh, you can go to A1 Grocery and Taxidermy and pick up a picnic kit and head out to the cemetery and uh, set up shop and socially distance. Have a, a nice, nice picnic in the biggest, greenest lawn in Oregon. We win awards year after year for all kinds of stuff, mostly for our lawn in the cemetery. So, I have a question. Yes. How many picnics would Pikmin pick if a Pikmin could pick picnics? Uh, picnics? Pikmin would pick as many picnics as Pikmin could pick if Pikmin could pick his picnic. Uh, I knew you'd know. Yeah. <laughs> I work for the guy. And, um,. I, I have had my job changed from comptroller to personal assistant. And Pikmin said, that's pretty much what you should have been called before. And yeah, so got to change my CV. So personal assistant. So who's trolling the com? Uh, Pikmin said our town isn't large enough to have a comptroller, but we have like a purser. So... And uh, we also have an actual, like, uh, person who is in charge of the uh, treasury, a treasurer. So we have that kind of stuff going on. Instead of just having, like, one person in charge of everything and then reporting to a city council, we actually have people working in City Hall for the first time since... uh, The Reconstruction? Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, I, I want to say probably since the first time since the uh, we went through a big spout of mayors in the 90s and apparently no one wanted to work at City Hall. Uh, but uh, we haven't had really a functioning City Hall since about 97, I think. So people yeah, weren't willing right. to uh, brave. Lose their lives. Yeah, brave the fog, lose their lives, get exposed loaded various things that happened but apparently people just don't want to give public service anymore yeah yeah come on i mean i i I came to this town sight unseen well i actually kind of been here a few times to help dave got a job doing city stuff and come on people where's your your head hasn't blown up more than once my head has not blown up more than once where's your civic pride people remember uh, tie a gray ribbon to your tree until the 
288 minions return. That's something else that we have going on. Back in early March, uh, 288 uh, people from Oleander and a nine-foot-tall robot disappeared. And we don't know what happened to them, and hopefully we will find Thanos out. Thanos snapped again. No, Dave, this is this isn't something to joke about. This is this is a uh, this is people we know. Even people who I mean, I didn't necessarily care for uh, Jack Stark, but hey, I, I don't want him to disappear. Okay, I am publicly chased. <laughs> And, you know, I, someone had to fill in for Lumberjack, and that person is me. So, you know, uh, good thing I learned how to make coffee drinks uh, when I was much younger. Yes. And thankfully, I, 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 I look good in a Speedo, yeah. For those of you who are not listening, Lumberjack is six foot two, French-Canadian, and he runs our local coffee kiosk. It's kind of like, you know, Portland, Seattle have a bikini... Uh, uh, you know, coffee kiosk. Mm-hmm. Well, we have Speedo, yeah. where Lumberjack wears a Speedo and makes darn good cup of coffee. Uh, I, I I do it now, and I make a better than mediocre cup of coffee. Yeah, so. I'm gonna say yours darn good. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it darn good status. All right, all right. Okay, so uh, speaking of darn good, we've got a darn good interview with Derek M. Cook of Monster Kid Radio. And His we, fourth time, but first time being interviewed by you. Yeah, 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 fourth time. And uh, we're going to be talking about Star Wars because we're doing May the 4th on 1130 KZOM. 1138 this month. 1138 KZOM, the place to be and be seen. May the force be with you and also with you. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh... After that, we're going to be talking about... Oh, you know what? What? If we were only like 0.0008 megahertz, we could be THX 1138 KZOM. I'm thinking Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that that was literally the joke that I made two minutes ago. (laughs) Well, that's what made me think of it. Okay, okay, all right. Yes. Um, and uh, after that, we will be talking about the hero's journey, the, the, the hero with a billion faces. What's it called there, Dave? The, the hero with a thousand faces or the monomyth. The monomyth, the hero's journey. Yeah, no, uh, we'll be talking about that. Um, probably directly how it deals with Star Wars, but, you know, it... It deals with a lot of stories, whether we're talking about Jack Kirby's uh, New Gods or uh, even Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or any of that kind of stuff. It, 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 or The why. Matrix. The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez, The Matrix. It's like, I think they looked at the hero's myth and was like, what, how can we, what can we slap into this? Some people, I feel like, definitely treat the monomyth as a formula and less of as like, hey, here's something that ties all these ancient myths together. They're like, okay, this is how you make a story. And I don't know. I don't think that type of reverse engineering always works. We'll talk about that later. But first, Derek M. Cook. All right, see you in a bit, folks. 
spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Hey everyone, it's me, D.B. Spitzer. We're back. Uh, unfortunately, no farm report this week. Uh, Farmer Dave is taking care of all of his goats. And uh, he had to go run to the store and get raisins. And that's a lot of goats, so that's a lot of raisins. So I'm filling in this time. We're talking about Star Wars. It's May the 4th. Uh, well, it's the month of May. And uh, we're talking Star Wars. And someone who I wanted to talk about Star Wars... And not even talk about Star Wars directly, but kind of talk about Star Wars peripherally. The monster kid himself, Derek M. Cook. Derek, how are you doing? Hey, DB. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me here. And I can't wait to talk about something that I've not talked about on my show, really. This will be fun. This will be fun. Cool. Cool. And yeah, I wanted to talk to you about Star Wars in relation to like B-movies. It's like we wouldn't have Star Wars if it wasn't for schlocky sci-fi star wars wouldn't be a thing it would just be like i don't know it it wouldn't be there <laughs> so you no know, it's yeah the 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 lineage behind star wars it's fascinating when you really start to dig into it and mm-hmm. i'm sure we'll get to it i didn't mean to cut you off oh no no, no problem shut up. <laughs> no 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 keep going keep going <laughs> just the, the lineage with star wars if you look at it i think it's really easy to say yeah, you know, it's a science fiction movie and it came from what came before, but I'm a firm believer uh, in the idea, uh-huh. uh, I don't know if you call it a theory at this point or not, sure. but that everything is a remix. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's how, how you explain Quentin Tarantino's career. Everything is a remix. <laughs> and and I, don't, I don't mean that derisively, mm-hmm. really, even though I do kind of say it with a wink and a smile. Uh, everything that is created comes from everything the creator experienced before them. Yes. Right? So you've got all of this stuff kind of going into the brain of George Lucas and through his filter and his way of thinking about things, he's been able to spit out what eventually became the first star Wars film. Yeah. I, I don't know how much of the mythology about, you know, he wrote this nine part epic, this 12 part epic, the journal of the wills and, you know, star killer and all this other stuff. I don't know how much of that is really true anymore. I feel like the mythology has kind of outgrown the reality of what really happened. But if you look at just the film itself, star Wars, and I'm just going to call it star Wars because that's what it was called. back Sure. Yeah. Uh, there's just so much that went into it, B-movie wise and otherwise. There's a lot of prestige movies that went into the creation of that as well that I find fascinating. This mix of Flash Gordon ex- escapades and, um, you know, Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. a weird mix, and I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for every every uh, time that you have, like, just some, like, serial from the 40s you have kurosawa's the hidden temple and it's it's yeah it's a weird weird combination of stuff 
but it's it it feels like it's 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 this collection of all these visual things and like all these things from Lucas's childhood synthesized together, even like the dumb stuff about growing up in like Modesto, California, or, you know, just that area out there and mm-hmm. all thrown together. And it's like in, onto this like backdrop of science fiction that was available in the 1970s and weird (laughs) it's just such a weird thing that it's like okay well um it's going to be about this guy who's stuck in this like town that he doesn't like and um there's going to be like a joseph campbell called adventure then he's going to go with like this guy who's kind of like his grandpa and then they're going to go with this like truck driver guy who's friends with the bear and then they're going to go to this moon and then they're going to you know it's 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 just like such a weird story when you break Star Wars down from like it's like 1970s cultural touchstones it's just like okay so we got this guy who is a carpenter and we got Debbie Reynolds kid and we got a guy who does like voice acting for cartoons and oh yeah we got Alec Guinness so people will actually take this seriously and it's just like and it's like Alec Guinness's career at that period of time it wasn't like this thriving thing. And I wouldn't say that Peter Cushing was like a respected actor. I don't think I even knew who Peter Cushing was until like as an actor until like, like probably my twenties. <laughs> Same. I mean, I'm, you know, monster kid radio, love my monster movies, my hammer films, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Peter Cushing is a big part of that. But I was a star Wars kid growing up. Uh-huh. You know, I grew up in the eighties. I'm generation X. I yeah. was right there when star Wars was happening and I was obsessed as were a lot of my friends and most of the world at the time. I'm sure probably probably a little bit more so than most because I was a real geek about the stuff mm-hmm. and Cushing to me was that guy that bossed Vader around. But yeah. even then that didn't make a huge impact on me because Darth Vader was on screen. I actually don't remember becoming really fascinated with Grand Moff Tarkin until I ended up getting, uh, my mom would get these like little paper Dixie cups that had Star Wars facts on them. And one of them had Tarkin on it. I'm like, well, wait a minute, who's that guy? Oh yeah, that's the guy from the movie that, oh, he died. Yeah. And it just didn't really even occur to me that he was somebody that I should be aware of It would be important to me in the future. I remember as a kid, like thinking, oh, Grand Moff Tarkin, he's the guy who's in charge. It's like his Death Star. Darth Vader's just kind of like the Red Baron of the Empire. He's like the fighting ace that everyone's like, yeah, that guy's the one who gets stuff done. He's the one who's on the posters. He's the one, you know. And then it's like Empire Strikes Back, and it's like, oh, there's more to this guy than just being like the scary bad guy that like, you know, the the governor lets out at the end to like scare everyone. It's like... (laughs) It's like, oh, this 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 guy's like kind of like I don't know a Rommel type. He he went from being like the Red Baron to Rommel in one movie, and it's like, okay, um, <laughs> yeah. And they just kind of like kept expanding Darth Vader to be this bigger and bigger thing. And it's just like I thought he was just supposed to be a heavy for one movie, kind of like I don't know. It's like I don't know. I, that's kind of I, how I thought a lot about Star Wars as a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and, and I really, you know, as a kid, I don't think I really caught on to any of this. I mean, I'm sure I did on some levels, but, 
you know, as you start to grow up and you start to really look at the things that you loved as a kid, and I mean, you can't help but not think about Star Wars because it feels like it's always been there. I mean, mm-hmm. from the very beginning, they were doing sequels and then the novels and then Disney got it and then all this other stuff. And, you know, it's always going to be part of pop culture. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you always think about it. And I hadn't made the comparison between the Red Baron and Rommel. That, that's a really good way to put it. Uh, and I think as Star Wars grew, as it became a franchise, it started to steer a little away from the B-movie roots a little bit and kind of became its own thing, but still had the influences there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I think if you look at the first Star Wars, uh, the one that became A New Hope, it, it really does wear its B-movie heart on its sleeve. And the thing about Lucas... I mean, he was a film school kid. He, he went to film school. He graduated from film school. He was not just, you know, the sci-fi geek or monster geek or whatever. He loved film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are reports of him going to a friend's house and just watching like five movies over the course of one weekend. And this was not in the day and age of VHS. This yeah. was a guy who put up a screen in his backyard and would project film over and over and over again and Lucas was the guy that was always there always watching um, there was an interview that Alec Guinness gave and I've got a quote here about Lucas himself I don't think I've ever come across anyone so immersed in film I have an, I have an idea he goes to bed in it wrapped up in it you know the actual material <laughs> <laughs> Lucas loved movies that's kind yeah. of what he threw himself into after he had a car accident and you know spent a little bit of time in the hospital he, he loved film and He's done some non-Star Wars stuff that's really different. I mean, mm-hmm. watch the original THX 1138, birth the student film, and then the feature film later. Mm-hmm. Far cry from what you got with Star Wars. Yeah. Far cry. I mean, those were probably more um, representative of what sci-fi was in the 70s at that point. Mm-hmm. Kind of bleak. Kind yeah. Of dystopian and not necessarily as encouraging or exciting as the stuff from the 50s. Yeah, there's not really much of a difference. I mean, there <laughs> Stylistically, kind of, there's really not yeah. too much of a difference of one one three eight and Logan's Run. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's very kind of like um, the youth is the future, and we've inherited this burnt to hell shit out world, and <laughs> so we have to make up weird rules so that we can survive. But the weird rules don't really matter because it's just a stupid system that we created to begin with. So that we can try and survive, and yeah. and it's it's like that's that it just kind of like is so much of what nineteen seventies post apocalyptic um, apocalyptic uh, dystopian all these various movies, whether it be a boy and his dog. Uh, <laughs> Let me just jump to that one right away. <laughs> whether it be a boy and his dog, Omega Man, uh, not Omega Man. I meant to say. <laughs> um, one one three eight. I mean, the song like Green was a thing. I mean, just oh yeah. And what was the franchise before Star Wars was the franchise? I mean, Planet of the Apes was the franchise. Oh yeah. Right? Even that had some dark. Well, the second film in particular had yeah. some very dark underpinnings. I mean, spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it: the world ends at the end of the second Planet of the Apes film. Yeah. And it ends with such a brutal, and just like that, the blue world was gone, or whatever the line is. It's just boom. They blow it up. The end. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of anything that was like um, like trilogies or anything like that. And I think the closest thing before that was like, well, we don't have a bunch of movies made by the same person. I mean, that, that, that are all 
you know, trilogies. Uh, you know, we don't have like this like trilogy thing, but we got a bunch of movies that Steven Spielberg made one summer, and then he made another one this summer, and then he made another one that summer, and we're going to play them every summer in the drive-ins until sometime in the mid-'80s when they quit doing drive-ins. But Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many times I saw, like, E.T. and Jaws at the drive-in or Jaws and, uh, like, Close Encounters in the drive-in, like, in the 70s, early 80s as a kid growing up in Portland. Oh, man, I... And I, I feel bad because, well, you and I both have relatively easy access to a drive-in. Yeah. We're both here in Oregon and Newburgh's got the 99W and they run every summer and they've been running this summer and I haven't been, uh, I haven't been in a while and I feel bad because I, I want to support them. Plus they've been showing some cool stuff lately, man. Yeah. Yeah. I've, 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 I've been seeing that stuff pop up and, uh, do you know the name specifically? So if people, uh, want to check it out, if they can, it, it is the 99 W is what okay. it's called. Uh, they do have a website, a couple of websites, but it's probably easiest to find them on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Just go to 99 W uh, drive in uh, on Facebook and you'll find it. Uh, the reason I say they have a couple of websites is that their main website, the person who ran it passed away and, Nobody knows what the password was to get into it to make changes. Oh, no. So go to Facebook first, and there are links to other places. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a great little – it's a great drive-in. Uh, the first time I went out there was at the beginning of Monster Kid Radio, and they were showing Creature from the Black Lagoon. Ooh. Which people who know me know that's my favorite film of all time. Nice. And I went there on – must have been a Friday or a Saturday night, and I introduced myself to the owner. Mm -hmm. in, the, in the snack bar. And he's like, okay, hold on a second, hold on a second. And he disappeared for about five minutes, came back down, and put on the counter a copy of Famous Monsters of Filmland number one. Whoa, cool. I was like, okay, this dude is my guy. He's, yeah. he's like me. He keeps a copy of Famous Monsters number one in his office. I mean, come on, that's cool. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. So, no, no, take it out of the plastic. Go ahead and look at it. Uh, okay, if you insist. Whoa. You know? And then, you know, watching the movie, of course, in 3D on the drive-in screen was amazing and loved it so much. I went back the following night just because, you know, I had to, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I've seen things like Raiders of the Lost Ark, some of the other bigger movies there as well. It's just, I don't know how we started talking about drive-ins all of a sudden, but well, I'd love to see Star Wars at a drive-in. That'd be amazing. Yeah. 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 No, no. I, I was talking about how, like, uh, we didn't really have, like, the, the big, you know, you mentioned that uh, Planet of the Apes was, like, kind of, like, the big series before Star Wars, uh, and it's gotcha. like, yeah. and it's it's like I was trying to think of anything else before Planet, you know, between before Star Wars and between Star Wars and Planet of the Apes, that was like kind of a big series, and it's like Spielberg had his like run of just summer blockbusters, just 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 like piles of money, summer blockbusters. Yeah, well, he's credited with creating that phenomenon. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 a part of me uh, wonders. It's like, will Star Wars ever go back to its like schlocky B movie roots? It goes back to its like uh, samurai western roots with like the Mandalorian. But will they ever do like uh, one of these Star Wars movies where it's like, oh no no no, this is this is mad science. This is this is uh, goofy monster suits. This is I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like sometimes they try to bring that back. I mean, J.J. Abrams insisting that they actually have people in costume as monsters in the film. Yeah. And that sort of thing as opposed to doing it all CG. But 
I don't know if they can go back to that because we've come to expect so much out of Star Wars now and, and what Star Wars is. Whereas back then, when the first film came out, nobody knew. You yeah. know, it was it was fresh. It was brand new. Nobody knew what this the Star Wars. What's that? Mm-hmm. You know. And then over a course of a weekend, everybody knew what it was. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I. I cannot remember a time in my life when I didn't know what Star Wars was, even though I was born years before the first one came out. I was born in 73. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, Star Wars has always been there. Yeah. Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, The Force, all this stuff was always part of my my vocabulary, my lexicon, my own personal mythology. And, you know, I may have drifted away from it a few times over the years, but sure. it's always been there. It's always been there. And as I watch these science fiction movies and these monster movies for my own podcast, I can't help but think Lucas saw that. Mm-hmm. Lucas yeah. saw that movie that was inspired by this one. And then this one goes back to that one. And, hey, there's the scroll, the, the opening scroll. I see that now, you know. So you see all these things from all these other films and everything's a remix. <laughs> so as, as a monster kid, uh, who's, who's your favorite monster in Star Wars? Oh boy, you know, I, oh, even though I wasn't like a big monster movie fan when Star Wars first came out, I was always drawn toward the aliens, of course. Yeah. Um, and I always liked the bad guys. Yeah. (laughs) I thought Hammerhead was the coolest man. (laughs) I thought Hammerhead, uh, I know he's got a real name, quote unquote real name, but that's what the action figure was called. I thought Hammerhead was the coolest looking figure. Um, but I think... If I said the original trilogy, mm-hmm. um, my favorite alien in that, there's two of them, and I don't remember the guy's name. So one of them is named Reyes, mm-hmm. and he was, uh, I believe, a Jabba's palace, and I just liked the look of him. Yeah, the guy, the guy with three eyes. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like the, the, the folks at Hasbro were like, well, we got to name this guy something. What if we just take out some of the consonants and vowels and three eyes? Reyes yeah. works for me. Hey, that's how they came up with the name of, of the bounty hunter for LOM. For right? LOM, yeah. yeah. For the love of money. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's really Yeah, uh, uh, we just had uh, my uh, childhood friend, JC, and he talked about Star Wars action figures. And I remember that was something that he told me in, like, the 90s and being like, no, you just made that up. He's like, no, no. Um, and then he got me an issue of Star Wars Insider and, like, showed it to me. And I was like... This is crazy. I also, where I also learned a recipe for a sandwich that Anthony Daniels likes that involves brisola and ciabatta bread. But <laughs> uh, well, okay then. Hey, weird, weird stuff. The, yeah. Uh, the other guy that I really liked, he's also from Return of the Jedi, and he's in one of those figures that Hasbro's like, well, you know, there's something there. He was called Prune Face. <laughs> Prune Face, yeah. I had the eye patch. <laughs> yeah, and, and he was a rebel. I, I think he's in the like the rebel briefing scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just where, for like a brief second. Yeah, you just the camera pans past him real fast, and that's about it. I always loved that guy too. Um, but if I go back to the cantina from Star Wars, it was Hammerhead for me. Yeah. I thought Hammerhead was cool. And I always thought the werewolf was interesting. I always wondered what the heck a werewolf was doing in – or a wolfman at that point. I said what I called him, I guess. It yeah. was doing in my Star Wars movie. Whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. And didn't they take him out in the special edition? Didn't they yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they took out like the uh, Wolfman and a couple other ones that were like just like kind of like just 
old movie outfits that they had laying around been like, oh, hey, well, uh, what about the devil? (laughs) I think they took out the devil and the wolfman, so... Oh, the devil, man. Um, yeah. I used to play the Star Wars role-playing game years ago, and I had a character that was that particular devil's race. I forget what it was called. Devlin? Um, <laughs> it was something dio- It was, something, it was yeah. something basic, really basic, yeah. <laughs> but he was fun to play. He was fun to play. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he has the devil, you have the wolf, man. You had basically whatever monster suit and mask they had sitting around. And I remember being fascinated by the idea that the person who played Greedo was a woman mm-hmm. who years later when I started to see production stills and photos taken from the set, you see her walking around made up as Greedo from the waist up. So she's uh-huh. got the, the costume on, the makeup, the heads and whatever. But she's just wearing pants and heels. Yeah. <laughs> and you never see that on screen, obviously. Greedo's just sitting there. But that just blew my mind. I don't know why it just struck me as like, oh, yeah. That's that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's 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 one of those things for me. Like, me, uh, it's like when I'd see production stills from Star Wars, it'd be like, oh yeah, this is something that people put together. This is something that we had a bunch of people put time and effort and money, and just like everyone, someone came up with something. Everyone learned their little bit of thing to do. Everyone worked on something showed it to someone, this is good enough, that's not good enough, and then like slowly but surely it all, all these little tiny pieces end up becoming this thing that we know is Star Wars. And if someone had done something differently, things might not have gone so well. Things may have been a lot more like a samurai movie. Things have been a lot more schlockier. Apparently, Star Wars was saved in editing from everything that I hear from everyone. It's like, Star Wars was saved in editing. Otherwise, it was an, it was not the greatest movie. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't that much that would have like separated it from the imitators, all the Roger Corman-esque imitators of Star Wars that followed for the next five years. But, hey, hey, now you, be nice to Battle Beyond the Stars. I love that movie. I didn't, I, I, I didn't say its name specifically, but. <laughs> Anyway, um, (laughs) that's a whole different conversation. Uh, I talk a lot about the DIY aesthetic on Monster Kid Radio Mm -hmm. and how I respond really well to that. I think it's because I can imagine that somewhere somebody was staying up till three o'clock in the morning with a bunch of glue, rubber, some wires, playing some 70s rock, trying to come up with something that they can show George in four hours when he shows up on set for the cantina scene. Yeah. Something like that. And and just there's something (laughs) about that that. I, I thrive on, and, and maybe it's because I stay up till four o'clock in the morning working on my podcast or something. Yeah. Um, you know, as a creative, I feel that so often that I got to get this done and I'm going to make it work somehow. And I feel like that's one of the charms that Star Wars has. Oh, definitely. And, I mean, you go back to um, you know some of the, the the older science fiction movies that preceded Star Wars, and you see that. You know, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe that mask didn't fit the actor quite right, and you can see his chin sticking out of his mouth. But you know what? We're going to roll with it, and yeah. it works. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. There's something magical about Star Wars. I mean, right from the opening you know, credit sequence and all that. And I mean, you talk about the samurais, the westerns, all the stuff that goes into it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I think yeah. we're lucky. I think we're really lucky that all those things work. Uh, the editing you talked about, and I was just complaining about this the other day on my movie stream that I run on Saturdays mm-hmm. over at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. Um, <laughs> plug. Um, that's one of my biggest issues that I had with the special edition. Uh, outside of getting rid of the Wolfman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that they redid the trench run at the very end of the film, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because they wanted to do some fancy special effects and yeah. CG stuff and fine. It's Lucas's film. No matter how often we say it was our movie, you know, it's his movie. Ultimately he can do whatever he wants to it. But when he redid some of those scenes, watch the shots and then compare it to how the shots were constructed in the original. Uh, yeah. The shot yeah. sequences are a little different. The cutting is a little different, and it's so disjar- disorienting and jarring to me because the music in the original film was composed for the original cut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That wasn't done when the special edition came along. So the cuts and the shots don't quite match up with the Williams score the way it was originally done. Yeah. And it just feels so disjointed and disorienting to me. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's because there was a time in my life when I watched Star Wars practically every single day. And it was part of who I am and what I – knowing what Star Wars was came to me as easily as breathing yeah. you know, for a long time. So maybe that's my biggest – that's part of where the complaint comes from. Um, but the editing, yeah, for sure. Uh, I've heard a lot about how the editing saved Star Wars. I would love to see what the original cut looked like. Yeah, yeah. I've I, I've fun. I've seen like the uh, black and white, uh, mm-hmm. c- kind of like the dailies that were taken, like kind That's of like a some work type stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was it was work cuts without uh, audio. I've seen like a bunch of that stuff run together. Um, it just. It's 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 interesting to see like what kind of like visual gags were taken out and like how like the original Star Wars was supposed to be a bit more of a comedic movie than it ended up being in the long run and you know the type of stuff that people really kind of like crapped on Lucas about for the Phantom Menace with like Jar Jar Binks and stuff there was that kind of stuff in the original Star Wars it was just taken out because it wasn't funny. <laughs> Well, his wife was like a big part of the editing team. Mm-hmm. His oh, yeah. Then wife. Yeah. Then there was a divorce. Mm-hmm. Then, depending on who you listen to, he made sure she never worked in that town again or whatever. I, I don't know what the deal is there. Yeah. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> um, and then he went and re edited his own movies with special edition and all the other stuff. And I think you can see the difference. Yeah. Yeah. But you still get those cool wipes, which is something that goes back to the Flash Gordon movies. Yes, So definitely. to bring it back on topic, because I know I took this way off, of course, um, you get those wipes, and that's iconic. Yeah, it is. It when is. you see that, now you think Star Wars, even though back then you probably thought Flash Gordon or Buck Rogers. Yeah, no, and it was like when, it, when Star Wars came out, so many things about it were just like, oh, this is just... A dumb kids movie. This is like who uses wipes that look like uh, Venetian blinds? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of over the top. Just got premiere for the first time. Yeah, that's, that's who uses <laughs> But yeah, no, it's like the sets were like a bunch of um, plastic spray painted white glued to stuff or practical sets and. The dialogue was just goofy, and everyone had weird names, and 
anyone who knew anything about real film thought that this was garbage and was like, I want nothing to do with it, while other people were like, this is the most fun I've had in my life. And I don't know. It's like there's certain levels to Star Wars where it was like this really professional thing that everyone worked really hard, and then other times it was this thing that it, like, it barely got made in some aspects. And it's like you just see that. It's um, Recently you and I talked about Robot Monster where it looks like and feels like some people went, I know a guy with a gorilla suit. I know a place where we can go. We've got a four-day weekend coming up. Uh, I'll talk to some friends. We'll get all this equipment together. We'll go shoot over by these caves, and we'll have a movie. And that's the <laughs> exact opposite of Star Wars, where you have this guy who's like, okay, we have to have this and 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 this. Let me call up Steven. Hey, Steven, we need this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this. Do you think of anything else we need? Oh, yeah, you're going to want. And it's just like this, like, overly planned, meticulous, like, insane thing. Like, insane people who love films so much that they eat, sleep, breathe, and drink film made movies and it's I don't know it's like when you have that many moving pieces so many things could go wrong or go amazing and as as I said before we're lucky we got Star Wars <laughs> do, you, do you think that's um, a result of back to go back to Robot Monster that we talked about on Monster Kid Radio a while back mm -hmm. um, back then there wasn't film school no there wasn't film school Whereas, Lucas went to film school and went through the process and was introduced to the industry through a regimented kind of scholarly process and knew what you were quote unquote supposed to do when it came to writing a screenplay and acquiring money and working with producers and effects and all this other stuff. Do you think that might've been part of that? Well, uh, I think that had something to do with it, but also to even get there in the first place, Lucas had to have his love of film that he'd had forever. I mean, it's like, true, same true. thing with Spielberg, same thing with like David Lynch. All, everyone who's like, I need to go to film school, they didn't go to film school because they're like, you know, I hear it's easy to make movies. <laughs> they went to film school because it's the only thing that they could think of to do. It's the only thing that made sense for them. And... I don't know, it's, it's, I, I think a lot of, like, for Spielberg and Lucas, it's a synthesis of everything, and, you know, it's like everything that's, you know, there's no new story, as, as, as we've talked about before, and it's just taking another story and synthesizing it with other ideas, and as new things come out and new things happen, and that's, that's what we have with Star Wars, it's just a synthesis, it's not just a synthesis, it is a synthesis of everything that Lucas had come across that had to do with uh, story X. And sure. I don't know. I, I think it took like a lot of really talented people to like, I, I know people weren't being like, oh, this is what Lucas was talking about. That like, this is exactly what he's talking about. George Lucas, oh, are you there? Um, I'm still here. Okay, cool. Just... Ah, there we go. <laughs> I accidentally pulled my cord out. Um, but, you know, Lucas would see something that someone didn't be like, oh, yeah, that's a cool-looking monster. We'll use that. It wasn't exactly what I, he was thinking, probably, but, you know, it's Ralph McQuarrie, or I can never say that guy's name's right. Uh, the guy who drew everything up in the <laughs> beginning parts. 
Yeah, no, I, I, that's how I would say it. Uh, the guy, Ralph. yeah, Ralph. Uh, who who uh, did all the a lot of the preliminary designs. You know, he he came up with stuff, and George Lucas was like, "Oh yeah, that's cool, cool, sure, we'll go with that." And it's it's not like George Lucas like drew up all this stuff. He had ideas, and he could describe them, and these ideas they came from schlock movies you don't come up with something like Chewbacca from uh, I don't know Lawrence of Arabia <laughs> <laughs> that's a very different movie all by itself yes but yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah no no and, 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 and I have to say it's, it's, it's this perfect marriage of like I don't know concepts of like classic literature and that of the monster kid radio kind of a perfect melding of the various things that make up our various podcasts. But yeah. 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 I could see that. I mean, I think most people know and if they don't, I mean, well, I'll tell you a lot of people uh, have reported on the idea that Lucas tried to buy the rights to flash Gordon. Yeah. That that's what he wanted to make. And I think that's pretty evident when you watch what he ended up making instead of Flash Gordon since he couldn't get the rights to do it. Yeah. There's still enough Flash Gordon-isms in Star Wars to get it. Um, and then it's just kind of grown, grown into its own thing at this point. It, the tropes of Star Wars have supplanted the tropes of everything that it drew from. Yep. And you know what? I, I think that's going to be a good point to end on right there. Yeah. Derek, so thank you so much for coming on to the show of and course, talking man. Star Wars with us. It's, it's been something that's been going on having you come on the show for me to talk to you <laughs> me being on your show i'm glad we got to do that finally but sure, yeah sure. yeah um how can people find you what's the best way to track down monster kid radio uh so monster kid radio um monsterkidradio.net is the main website but we're on facebook twitter twitch discord and reddit Ooh. Uh, so so we're all over the place but go to monsterkidradio.net first uh, because that'll give you the links to everything all what i just mentioned uh, youtube uh, where i'm trying to make sure that monster kid radio can be found pretty much anywhere at this mm -hmm. point so yeah feel free to interact with the show listen to the show um, shake your fist at the show whatever <laughs> any of these these outlets uh, so yeah please you know, come check out the show we had db on the show to talk about robot monster i've got david heath coming up here soon to talk about uh astro zombies so that'll be a good time and then outside of monster kid radio i've got a couple of other projects that i do gaming you talked about dungeons and dragons earlier mm -hmm. um you know dicemonsterdice.com will get you to my gaming my role-playing game imprint and get you to all the different things that we're doing over there with the different books that we've got coming up later this year and because this is coming out in may i'd like to mention one other thing mm -hmm. that i don't talk enough about um, on may 4th i launched uh, a youtube series that i wanted to launch years ago and it just didn't happen but i finally made it happen and the reason i chose may 4th wasn't because of star wars even though may the 4th be with you but may 4th is also the day that the first avengers film was released theatrically and I, I don't know why that happened. I don't know if it was they were trying to tie into that Star Wars thing, but it just kind of happened that way, hmm. right? That was the, the premiere of the first Avengers film. To celebrate that, I am finally launching the YouTube series that I'm creatively calling Reading the Avengers, where I'm going to go through every issue of the Avengers and talk briefly about them in a YouTube video. Cool. Which means I'll have YouTube content for the next 20 plus years because there's <laughs> been so many of them, but I'm really excited to get... Uh, to, for the journey that I'm on with that. So look up Comicstalgia 
on YouTube. So it's like nostalgia, but it's comic nostalgia Sounds on YouTube. Cool. Sounds and you cool. can subscribe to the videos there and watch me or listen to me kind of just break down the different Avengers titles and issues and what happened and who's in them. And I'm slowly building up a massive database of who's in what issue and where you can find them and how they're connected, who wrote, who drew. It's been a lot of fun so far. And yeah, please join me for that too. Nice. Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. Well, thanks again, Derek. And hey, everyone, thank you so much for listening and check out Monster Kid Radio. Uh, up next, we've got something, probably d and I'm going to guess D&D. All right. We'll see it after the break. Thanks, TB. Thank you. Okay. Joseph Campbell's Mono Myth. Hey, everyone. We are back with... Hi. Hey. Uh, we are back with Radio Free Oleander, 11.38 a.m., KZOM, the place to be and be seen. May the force be with you and also with you. We're talking the monomyth. Dave, let's talk about this monomyth. So if we're going to talk about monomyth, we're going to have to talk about one Joseph Campbell. Yes. And he was a philosophy professor who basically wrote a book in the 1940s mm-hmm. called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. Yes. And he said that almost all sort of epic stories tell this story of a person going out into the new world mm-hmm. and becoming a different person and coming back. Yes. There will be a test on this now. <laughs> so why are we talking? So why are we talking about this on Star Wars months? Why are we talking about this on Star Wars month, Dave? Because George Lucas didn't go to his high school graduation. So you, you ever hear that story? You know why, why George Lucas was not in his high school graduation? No. So he – and later on they kind of downplayed the story. And some of the other people that worked on Star Wars downplayed it. But Lucas told the story. Mm-hmm. And he was hot riding down in the deserts of Modesto a week or two before his high school uh, graduation. And he totally wrecked it. Oh, wow. And he was in a car wreck. And, and depending on what version of the story. So he was in a hospital for a while. But there, there's versions of, you know, that he was like almost dying. And but then he gets better and he's dying of boredom. And there's nothing to read. So somebody gets him a copy of Joseph Campbell's. Um, hero with a thousand faces Mm -hmm. and it starts getting him this idea of how this story is told now after he does um, THX 1138 and American Graffiti um, he's got enough clout that he actually gets to meet Campbell Mm -hmm. and he talks about this project and so Campbell does among other things is he suggests comes up with some ideas of um, you know about what the Jedi should be in fact, the, he even, I think, comes up with the term Jedi because it's like a, a Japanese-type movie or something. Mm-hmm. But So Joseph Campbell is very influential on the ideas and the stories behind Star Wars. Hmm. Now, other people, other crew members that say, well, he wasn't that influenced. And you know, Lucas kind of told that story after the words. But in the 80s, when Joseph Campbell did, you know, 
uh, a special with Bill Mars on uh, PBS. Mm-hmm. They filmed it in on Skywalker Watt. Yes, Land. they did. Oh, excuse me, it was Skywalker Ranch. Yeah. So obviously they were close. Yeah. Yeah. No, I watched a little bit of that uh, preparing for this. Definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah. So do you want to talk about? about the 17 stages in the three acts or like do we want to talk about Jungian archetypes do we want to talk about uh uh david adam uh lemmings uh like how do how do how do you want to talk about this dave well so maybe we should uh, start off and, and um he, let me kind of shorthanded it a little bit so that it wasn't as bulky you bet but uh Maybe we could sort of start off with the the, bait, the beginning then. Okay. And the idea is that you have this hero mm-hmm. or a heroine mm-hmm. who is called to an adventure. Yeah. Um, and this adventure is then rejected. The refusal of service. the call. The refusal of the call, exactly. And then some sort of supernatural aid. Mm -hmm. And then they cross this threshold. uh, And then they're in the belly of the whale. That's sort of the beginnings of this story. It could actually be over several books. That's the first first chunk of it. The the departure from the known world into the unknown or the spiritual. Or like, you know, it's it's, it's like going from Caladan... To Arrakis, it's it's going from Tatooine yes. to getting on the Millennium Falcon and going to the Death Star. It's you know it's 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 leaving the known into the unknown. And the, so, so, oh, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, what were you gonna so, say? Uh, you were on the Luke. Luke at first says, "Hey, I can't do this. Uh, I can't do this. I got you know crops." So he he refuses the call. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and that supernatural aid, of course, is Obi-Wan. Oh. You know, he gives a super... You know, he saves them by making the, 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 the crate monster. But, you know, he, he these are not the droids you are looking for. Mm-hmm. Yes, audience, I was waving my hands when I said that. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, and then cr- crossing the first... Ho- uh, the threshold in, in Luke's case is going into the bar and, ta- uh, you know, most Esley. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably like uh, the going into the uh, bar is crossing the first threshold, escaping stormtroopers and going off into space is is crossing the first threshold. And then we start to go from one area to the next area and then we go into literally the belly of the whale which is like the end of departure and then we start getting into the next part where we get into the supernatural world we're part of the other so so can you think uh, and and i we're about to go there Mm -hmm. but and i have you'd be amazed if you sit down there's how many characters your favorite characters Mm -hmm will become can follow this maybe not exactly but follow it pretty well oh yeah um can you think i mean we said luke but is there a favorite character uh, that um that you think follows this oh paul atreides is definitely definitely a definitely. huge fan of dune but yeah no paul atreides definitely follows this so 
You ready to hear one of my favorite examples? Go for it. This is one that someone almost never associates with. Hmm. Harley Quinn. Okay. Makes sense. So, you know, she, you know, she a call to adventure. The Joker's trying to get him on the side. Mm-hmm. You know, she says, no, I'm a psychiatrist. You're a crazy person. You're a cute, crazy person. And then some sort of supernatural egg, you know, and it's not maybe supernatural, but it's beyond her understanding. Yeah. And then... And that could be in some stories, it's actually given by Poison Ivy. Sometimes it's Joker, uh, you know, and then she crosses the threshold. She starts committing crimes with or for the Joker. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then she ends up in the belly of the whale. She ends up in that toxic bat. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the supernatural, it's it's not the force. It's not the spy. It's it's the freedom of insanity. Ah, interesting. Uh, wow, that's 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 uh, so that's that's departure. Uh, next week we will be going into the next act of uh, the monomyth, starting with the Road of Trials, and uh, yeah, no, we'll talk more about Star Wars in one way or another. We'll have interviews and let everyone else know what's going on next week in town. And if anything's going on with the mayor, what's going on over at Oblivion's, if anyone has anything going down. So, uh, anything you have to say, Dave? And before... if anybody is having a hero, no, just if anybody's having a hero journey, write us. Let us know about it. A hero's journey, Dave said. We had a little bit of audio blurb there. So, yeah, no, definitely oh, write no, us. Uh, so... can, can you hear me, Dave? Dave, are you there? Check one, check I think I'm calling you from the belly of the whale. (laughs) I think you're right. All right, everyone. I'll see you next week during our road of trials where we'll meet the goddess. Woman is a temptress. Atone is with the father. uh, Apotheus and the ultimate boon. Uh, You know, which I'm not sure what that'll be, but you'll find out. So... but it would be a great band name. Oh, yeah. We are the ultimate boon. Opening for them, Atonement with the Father. Father. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio.